Nader. We will have each of our panelists introduce themselves shortly. Uh, among them, we have the owner of Penny Lane Schools, the multi-site executive director for Children of America Educational Child Care, the executive director of the Children's Learning Center at Moraine Valley, and a formerly teacher at the Children's Learning Center at Moraine Valley, who actually just recently started as a paraprofessional in a second grade classroom. Um, so before the panelists begin to discuss their professional journeys with us, Laura and I would briefly like to discuss the ESAE scholarship with you. Um, and then the four panelists will each speak, and then they will, uh, be, we will give them time to kind of go through their um, experience, and then there will be time for questions at the very end of the presentation. So, oh, I need to, I need to, I forgot. Um, <laughs> um, this is one of the reasons why we're here is the scholarship. Um, the East Day scholarship, it covers your total cost of attendance after financial aid has been paid. Um, some benefits that we have given our students who are currently on the scholarship is gas cards, we've paid for child care, food cards. Um, we also help them with employment because in order to be a participant with the scholarship, you have to currently work in a child care facility or um, currently work in a child care facility or previously work in a child care facility. Um, and this scholarship pays up to a master's degree. Of course, Moraine only has an associate's degree, but it does pay up to a master's degree. All right, so um, we can answer any questions on the scholarship. There's a flyer in the back of the room as well um, for anyone that has um, any more information on it. Our contact information is on the flyer as well um, that you pick up. So we will go ahead and let our panelists go ahead and get started. So first up, it's Christine. Hi, I'm Christine Stefano. Hopefully I'm speaking well into this little thing. Um, so I've owned Penny Lane schools for 35 years. I actually went to Moraine, so it was kind of a shock to see it was when I was here, they had temporary buildings. This shows you how old I am. Um, I did eventually graduate from DePaul University with a BS in education, and I taught, and then I also got my certification in special ed. So I taught at the Southwest Co-op in Oak Forest. And so I taught about 10 years. And, um, <clears throat> and then after, I, uh, after my last daughter was born, in 1988, I decided that I wanted to take her to work with me. So it just kind of had an opportunity to buy a child care center that was already operating that had 24 children, and I bought it for $16,000. So um, at first, I tried to teach and have the child care center that didn't go over well, and two little kids, so I quit. Um, teaching and I went full-time into working at Penny Lane and I found that I loved early childhood education. I loved it. And because of my background as a teacher and also because I was a special ed teacher, I really was able to go into child care and really individualize it. Um, because at the time, child care was not what it is today, nowhere near. What it is now is fabulous. But in the beginning, I had no idea how to do this. So I just kind of relied on my background of special ed and individualized the hell out of everybody. And, um, and so my schools just flourished. They did really well. And in that building in the public schools in Oak Lawn, I, had, I went from the one classroom, because it was an empty school, to about nine. And so then I decided that I, should ha I had an opportunity to have my own building. So I 
bought a building on Southwest Highway, and all it was an old golf ball making building. Uh, golf balls fell out of ceilings. <laughs> and there were old golf clothes from the 40s. It was quite an amazing, quite an amazing thing. So at the time, um, my, my husband, who has since passed away, he did the work. We gutted the building and um, created a, a penny lane for 200 children. And then we moved the kids from the other school and put them in this school. So we kind of had like money to pay the mortgage, which worked out really well. So we filled that school. <clears throat> and then a year later, we built another school. We bought another building on Ridgeland, 103rd and Ridgeland, and we gutted and renovated that one. And so that one has 300 children. Um, my schools are now, at this point, um, NACI accredited. We, are the, we have those Excel five stars, and we've been voted best of the Southland for 15, 17 years. And I just have to say that when I first started it, I didn't know how this was going to happen. How was I going to do this? And I, I think because I loved it so much, and I was enthusiastic about education, that it just kind of just developed. I don't know um, how, but it did. Well, a lot of work. I do know how. Um, so, but one of my greatest honors that I have to say, and that's why I love this idea of this panel, is that many of the women who have come to work for me came without any education high school diploma, maybe a few courses. And in the beginning, I wasn't NACI accredited, so I could do CDAs and different kinds of things. Um, and so what happened is they came to work for me, they brought their children, and they went to school. And some of these people, many of them, still work for me after 20, 25 years. They now are the directors of my schools, they're lead teachers, um, they're fabulous human beings. And because of those women, I would say we kind of worked as a team to build Penny Lane. I didn't do it on my own at all. Um, I think that that had a lot to do with it. Um, so many of them, their children now work for me, have used the scholarship program. They have gotten their degrees. And, they're, and now these, these individuals' grandchildren come to my schools. So it's really been, um, it's a happy place for me to go to. Um, and they've allowed me to retire, kind of. I'm on the phone. I live in Florida. I was telling the girls that there's a rule, that when you get to a certain age, you get to go to Florida. You can stay there, but if you still have child care centers, they call you. <laughs> they do. They call you. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say, because this is about the business of child care, and I was thinking about, over the 35 years, what skills do you have to have that I have that I've developed over 35 years? And I would say one of the biggest ones is that you have to be a risk taker. You have to be able to just say, you know what, this turns me on, lights me up, I'm just going to do it. And you know what, it's hard. It's hard. I've never been a skier, but I think it might be similar to going on the top of a mountain, sounds like it. The other thing is that I think that helped me have such wonderful places 
is that I love education. I love teaching. I find it to be so creative, and I have always loved it. And I love my schools.、Um, the other thing is, I think as to be successful, you've got to be surrounded by wonderful people and staff, but you have to love them back. I'm not the type of leader or te- or director or whatever owner that is difficult to get along with.、Um, I have learned how to navigate and develop my people skills. I didn't always have that. When I first started, I was such a micromanager; it was disgusting. But through the years and through training. I have learned to、um, to stop that, and I'm a delegator. That's why I can live in Florida and have big schools that are totally run by my staff, because I recognize how wonderful they are, and I tell them all the time, and they know it.、Um, so I would have to say that's about it for me, and、um, I could go on forever about 35 years of doing this. Um, but if anybody has questions, I'm always open to it, and I love to contribute to anyone who wants to do childcare. So that's it. Thanks. Hi, I am Yvette Vanna. I am an executive director for Children of America. By that that title, though, is for multi-sites. I've been working in childcare for 25 years. I started looking for a job that I could earn an income and still care for my children at the same time. I have three children,、um, and I started off as an assistant teacher at a large chain, not the one that I'm working for now, but a fairly large chain,、um, and started as an assistant teacher in the infant room for six weeks to 15 months. I absolutely fell in love with it. <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe it. I enjoyed every day. It wasn't like a job. It was just living my dream every day. And I also was able to spend time with my children. And so I decided to go to school. And I started with a GED in high school. So I wasn't able to finish high school. So I did achieve my GED. And then I started at the local community college. And Got the lowest amount of classes I could take to become teacher qualified. So I became teacher qualified, and really just improved my performance in my classroom. I really learned a lot about child development, and I saw as I implemented all of these different strategies that I learned how these children grew, and I also learned that I could be so much help to the families as a whole. So、um, I. Just kept learning as much as I could, and became what they call an assistant in management, which is a third in charge, <coughs> and helped a little bit of the administration in the building, and then began to teach pre-K, which was a whole different beast from the infant room. But I did learn a lot in that experience, and I also did before and after school care at the school sites. Back then, we used to go to the school in the morning. Take care of the children, feed them breakfast. They would go to school. I would go back, run my infant room, and then after school was over, go and take care of them until their parents picked up for the evening. So I did that. Became an assistant in management, and then 
realized that I needed to continue my education if I wanted to become more in an administrative role. So I took on online classes through an online school um, and I achieved my bachelor's in organizational management uh, with a minor in psychology, which I was able to definitely use with that management degree. And um, all of that I had learned with all of my child development classes. I became an assistant director, opened up a, assisted a director and opened up a new school with that chain of child care centers. <coughs> um, and was an assistant director for eight years. In that role, I just wore many hats. I cooked, I drove the bus, I stepped into all different age groups of classrooms, I assisted families. Um, and still, the day to day, I was still living the dream because all I had to do was walk into a classroom and was showered with love by all of those children and I was still able to help multitudes of families. Retrieved my degree, assistant director for eight years, and another company reached out to me with an opportunity to become a director of a brand new site opening up, and that's where I began my career with Children of America. Um, it was my time to be able to shine and show everybody what I could do on my own. I learned from my predecessor's mistakes on what I didn't want to do with my staff, um, and also through my own mistakes of what not to do with my staff. And I built a building uh, with a lot of really great staff that I feel that I boosted up in confidence and mentored and coached them and hopefully fulfilled them with the same love in ECE that I had. It was a very positive building. We opened up in 2012 um, as the time, I was a director there until 2018. In that time period, we did get up to 190 enrollment with a capacity of 160 because we had a lot of part-time at the time. So we were completely full. Um, at that time, I also became a compliance specialist because I do love licensing. There's a lot involved with childcare and licensing in the state of Illinois. Um, so I was able to go to my sister schools and help them make sure that we were licensing compliant. I also became a management trainer. So as Children of America, as new managers come in, we have them go to mentor schools where they can learn the day in day out operations of the center. So that way they can go into their schools on the right foot and hopefully knowing a little bit better. So I did that for a few years and then I became an associate executive director. So my regional manager, executive director at the time had 12 schools that she operated. So I helped her with the schools in Illinois. She had Illinois and Wisconsin. Um, after a period of time, I took over as regional manager, executive director for six of the schools in Illinois. And then just recently, um, we kind of shifted a little bit. We have 12 schools in Illinois. So I have four schools in Illinois now, and I have four schools in Wisconsin that I oversee. And my director, one of my directors uh, from my campuses in Illinois is now the executive director for the other schools in Illinois. So um, I still, you know, I have a huge drive to succeed. I have a huge drive for new challenges. It's exciting to me. Um, it's not that I get bored with what I'm doing to where I feel like I need to keep moving in different directions or anything. It's just that, um, I don't know, it's just that drive to, that gets you excited every day. But the, what keeps me in childcare 
and it's been 25 years is just that I can walk into a classroom and no matter what it's hi Miss Yvette I can I have a hug can I tell you about what happened last night um, you know a parent's asking me you know Yvette you know what can I do to help them with this to be able to be that have that kind of impact in families lives and then also now on another level is you know having all of my directors and my assistant directors my teammates um, being able to be there for them and to keep ch child care and early childhood education a passion in other people's lives Hi everyone, I'm Kirsten Raniklev. I'm the executive director here on campus for the Children's Learning Center. Um, and so I'm excited to be here today and to share a little bit about my journey with you guys. Um, my journey started when I was a child. I feel as most of our, um, those of us who are in the field, I feel most of our you know, journeys start when we're young. Um, I'm the oldest of four children and our parents had us in five and a half years. So as you can imagine, it was pretty busy at my house and me being the oldest, I quickly assumed like kind of the second mom you know role so I got to um, try out a lot of teaching experience with my you know own siblings and uh, neighborhood children so um, that was kind of what guided me to to start uh, my path in early childhood and so as a young kid I kind of dreamt of opening uh, my own center someday I thought that it would be really neat to to have my own <laughs> school um, and so I started out with with just you know moms helping babysitting anything I could do to work with kids um, were my you know first roles and then in my high school I come from uh, Naperville and so I went to Nequa Valley and we have a preschool in our high school called We Wildcats Preschool so I had the opportunity to take a course um, and be a teacher there and so as a high school student I was already you know kind of in the field um, and I was hooked I was you know eager to, to pursue that so I continued my journey on to Mizzou uh, is where I went to school while I was at Mizzou, I actually switched from early childhood to elementary, thinking that um, I would change paths and go the elementary route. Uh, after my student teaching experiences and then um, landing a job in an early childhood classroom, I quickly realized, like, no, I really do have a heart for the littles. Um, I really enjoy being a part of that, like, foundation for their learning. Um, I think you can just be so creative in the early childhood classroom, and so I enjoy, like, what we can do to take the learning like outside of the four walls and how we can bring you know people in from outside um, to really yeah enhance their learning um, and so while I was uh, in Missouri I stayed at my school for 10 years um, so I started as just an assistant teacher part-time uh, college student and so um, just kind of worked my way up from there uh, as you can see so that led to a full-time lead teaching position um, in that role I had the opportunity to work with student teachers that were placed from Mizzou and so um, at a young age, I quickly got to help with like developing, uh, you know, young teachers who were pursuing their early childhood degrees. Um, so with, you know, supporting their growth, with supporting my co-teachers growth, my afternoon assistance teachers growth, I quickly realized that I would want to like take steps to transition into administration to really um, grow kind of what I was doing in the classroom outside of the classroom and spread it to really my whole school. Um, I saw how important it is to have, you know, teachers who are passionate for what they are doing uh, in the classroom because they're really, you know, who makes the difference. It's not us administrators who are outside of the room. It's the teachers. It's the trickle effect that comes, you know, from them. And so I really wanted to work closely with them and empower them uh, to do what I had done in my own classroom space. Um, 
So uh, after some time in Missouri, um, I kind of realized, like, I don't know if this is my forever home. I enjoyed it for college. I've enjoyed it past college. My family is back in the Chicago area. I didn't think I'd stay, but the school really, like, has hooked me, kept me. Do I really see myself here, you know, forever? And so um, ultimately, I made the decision to leave, not because I didn't enjoy what I was doing, but because um, I knew it was, you know, kind of time to, to move back closer to family. Um, and so that ended up being um, a great decision. I didn't know what it would lead to, but it led to this opportunity here. Um, and as I shared, you know, my goal was to, to open a school as a child. And here I've had the opportunity to help with reopening the Children's Learning Center. So um, it's, you know, cool to think back to childhood me um, and the the vision that I had and then now standing here today um, and being a part of executing um, that dream has just been really really exciting so uh, now in my role uh, we just newly reopened in May we got on campus in February to start preparing the space so really each day each week is different because we're a startup you know so first it started with just preparing the space so that we could bring on staff and students then it was you know hiring our core team so that then we have people to teach the students that we're going to bring on um, then it's bringing on the students and now it's wow we're you know rapidly growing we need more teachers you know so it's kind of constantly um, you know shuffling from are we you know hiring enrolling partnerships on campus that we're you know um, creating and growing and so really each day is you know a new exciting um, challenge and I'm really enjoying learning um, as I as I go um, but true to you know what I what younger me um, realized is our teachers truly you know matter the most right without them we don't have you know a program we don't have people to to teach the kids and that trickle effect is so important and so um helping you know with developing teachers is really a passion of mine um and specifically um supporting them in like the social emotional learning that's happening in the classroom because you know they'll all learn their abcs and their one two threes um but i think if we you know cater our teaching to the whole child then we're really setting them up for success to become you know an adult like us someday um so yeah Hello, um, my name is Ariana Boyas. Um, I've been in the early childhood education for eight years now. Um, I got my associate's degree here from Moraine. Um, I did a hybrid class that was like fairly new. Um, uh, quickly after graduating, I did uh, an assist. I was an assistant for three to five year olds for about eight months to a year, um, and then I went into infant and toddler. Um, so I was there for six and a half years um, at the daycare center. Um, during that time, I kind of did uh, lesson plans, uh, newsletters, calendars, things like that. Um, and then I quickly became a coordinator. So then I um, oversaw two infant classrooms as well as a two-year-old classroom. And I worked with the classrooms to implement their lesson plans and kind of help the teachers as well. Um, and then I did help the administration part as well, doing uh, family nights, um, just setting up like the whole school environment. Um, and then I switched and I came to the Children's Learning Center and I was a two-year-old lead classroom teacher. Um, I was only there for a couple of months um, and then changed into being a paraprofessional now. Um, and that being said was because I switched with, I kind of moved and with my son. So I kind of wanted to be closer to my son and everything and so that's why I moved and I'm in a, 
I'm in between three classrooms. So I'm in a fifth grade classroom and two second grade classrooms as well. Um, and I have, I'm working with one <laughs> child that has an IEP. And then I go into the other classrooms and kind of just do small group work um, with the two year, uh, with the second grade classroom. Um, and yeah. Thank you all for that. I appreciate it. Um, now is the time for questions. If anybody in the audience have questions, if not, then I have questions. No one has questions. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so we're at 68. Now we do have a variety of part-time and full-time schedules and our capacity is 71. The most we've had attend on a day is 42. So we're getting closer and closer to that 71. We didn't coordinate trick-or-treating, but if anyone wants to last minute <laughs> partner with us, we would come visit your department. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pull off some field trip permission for that if, if departments want to partner. We are hosting a boo blast though in the afternoon, so we'll be having our families come out to yeah, do activities with the kids. after spending all day with little ones? Um, listening to loud music in the car. <laughs> um, and kind of just like letting go of everything during the car ride home and then getting home and kind of like starting new. Um, so try not to take whatever happened in the school or at center and then just kind of going home and clean slate basically. Yeah, I try. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, for, for Christine, and then some of the, the um, also that I liked how Christine, you spoke about how you were such a micromanager early on in your career. You oh, you hear me online? <laughs> the online people. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, Troy. I'm not used to not being able to be heard. So I liked how you spoke about um, being a what, what did I say? Um, Micromanager. Micromanager and how you had to learn to let go and delegate. That is something that is difficult for a lot of people who are type A personalities. And um, I just want to know, like, at what point did, was, did you have like a moment where you looked at yourself and you're like, I can't do this this way anymore? Or was there something in you that just made you change or? What happened to me <clears throat> is, I really got mentally ill. Not seriously, like go in the hospital, but I decided that I was very unhappy. And I really didn't even know it was my micromanaging that I was so awful. So I went and had therapy. And so I would say my therapist started pointing out to me what I was doing. And then I also went and downtown Chicago, they had this place called Landmark Education. I took classes there for years. And I just kind of unglued myself from that. Because I would not, if I were still micromanaging, my schools would not be what they are. They really wouldn't be. Because I thought I knew everything. I thought I was right about everything. 
and it's a disgusting place to be. So when I finally realized that I'm not right, I actually let other people be. And you know what? Other people are wonderful, and they know exactly what to do, and they will tell you if you allow them and if you step back. And it's exhausting for someone who's right about everything, like me. It's really exhausting. So that's what, it was a journey for me. It was definitely a journey because I didn't come into this world being that way. You know, so that was my way. This lady probably has already been a great manager, unlike how I was, because she has so many schools. I, I do think that, you know, my, myself, I have felt micromanaged in the past, you know, and told that I need to do something a certain way and how to do it. Um, I think, I hope that with my managers, there is a lot to do during the day. So much to do that, you know, they are very overwhelmed, you know. So what I try to do is I try to ask them questions to see if we can come to the same idea of what needs to be done. Um, but ultimately, it is their schools that they are running, and it's their decision, and I will yeah. back them up. Thank you for being comfortable talking about that. I just thought about it when you brought it up. And I manage four or five different departments here at the college. And, and I don't think I'm a micromanager, but uh, you know, I'll let my staff talk about that. <laughs> and we're all going to need therapy, so there you go. <laughs> I highly recommend therapy for micromanagers. So uh, speaking of therapy, um, I would like to ask if while you were considering getting into the field, if there was maybe a counselor or a mentor or anyone that might have said something to encourage you or help you make the decision to go into the field. So, you know, I meet with a lot of students who sometimes agonize over the decision-making process of, you know, how to pursue their careers. And so, trying to help students, you know, with that part, and if there's something maybe you heard along the way that helped you. For me, um, like I shared at Mizzou, I decided to do elementary education, but then ultimately I have a heart for early childhood. That was because I had adults along the way, like, tell me to go that route, tell me that elementary education makes more sense, you can always tack on that early childhood endorsement. I wish that the younger version of me had listened to like my heart and really had listened to my gut and I wish that an adult had empowered me to make that decision for myself rather than giving advice based on you know what they think um, would land me a better job maybe you know I think that the parents that I've worked with along the way their encouragement and then you know them telling me that you're really good at this, that you've helped me with this, that is really what has encouraged me early on to stay in the field and to increase my education. I would say for me, making that decision um, was, was I kind of just fell into it because I had a new baby and she had asthma and I didn't want to leave her and then my friend just called me up and she had young children and had a couple daycare centers. She still has some. And offered me this little daycare with the 24 kids. And I thought, wow, this is a great solution for me. I had no idea 
that I was going to love it as much as I did. I was very happy being a teacher, um, an elementary school teacher and a special ed teacher. So I just kind of fell into it. And it was just one of those things that just happens in your life sometimes. And it just turned out to be, it's my life's work, really. And I love it. I always have. So that's kind of what happened to me. I didn't have any, uh, any advice or... I actually had someone tell me not to do it, that I was silly to do this. I'm glad I didn't listen to them. Um, for me, it was like the experience of my younger brother. Um, I was nine when he was born. And so I was always excited to take care of him and like change his diapers. And I was like basically a free babysitter for my mom. Um, and so that love kind of grew. And then I did other babysitting and stuff like that. And that just grew into me wanting to do it because I had so much fun doing it when I was younger. So we have some questions as well. Uh, feel free if anybody thinks of some more questions while we go along. Jump right in and ask, and we can pass around the microphone. Um, but I actually had one question for Ariana. I felt that this question was important, and not that anybody else cannot answer it as well. Um, but Ariana, in your description that you had sent to us, um, we asked everyone to like a brief description of their past and just answer some questions. Um, one of the things that you had mentioned um, was that there's this kind of like stereotype on teachers that were kind of just watching kids or were a glorified babysitter. Yeah. Um, and Laura and I, both being in, a, in the education field ourselves as well, we hear that all of the time. Um, and so we were just curious, again, this could, it's directed to everyone, but we kind of, we like that you had mentioned that in one of your answers. Um, if you could say anything to like shift the minds of individuals that think that and that feel that way, um, what would it be, if anything? Um, honestly, I would tell them to come work with me and see what it is, <laughs> um, just for a day. Um, because, you know, it, there's so much more that goes into it, especially with like the infants and toddlers. Um, they don't really have words. And so you're kind of, I had at one point, I think it was 16, and so you're kind of like having to see what their cry means, and they all have different cries, so then you're trying to figure out what all 16 kids need, and so it's not as easy as it like seems. Um, we make it look easy, but it's not, so I would just tell them to come work with me for a day and then, you know, see how they like it. <laughs> That's a good answer. I like that answer. <laughs> if anybody else had anything, don't feel pressured that you have to answer, but I was just curious if anybody has come across that. Yes, we have different <laughs> individual questions. I, I want to make one comment about what you had said and the way that people feel about early childhood or daycare. We've had some parents say to us, well, now that my child is four, I'm going to take them to real school. Yes. And so we have to explain to them that we are not only NACI accredited, our teachers have degrees, we have a very huge curriculum, um, very detailed, and we have to teach them that we're not babysitters, we're educating your children. We're not only caring for them, but we're helping them to become wonderful people of our society. And uh, so I too, that makes me Ugh, I, I hate when people say that, so I totally yeah. get that. Like, come follow in our shoes for a day, you know? So, that's all. Oh, okay. um, I have a question for Yvette. Um, turnover. Let's, let's talk about turnover. Um, that is something that's very common, and um, there was a state 
staffing survey that revealed 32% of teachers in Illinois licensed facility leave their jobs every two years. So let's take pay out of it. What do you think um, is the real reason for the rise and turnover in childcare and what can be done to diminish that? I think that from what I have learned from teachers, speaking to teachers, one of the biggest struggles that they have in the classroom day in, day out is a, in challenging behaviors in the children. Since COVID, we have seen a rise in developmental delays in young children and a rise in special needs. And coming into a group childcare setting uh, with larger group size, so ratios depends on age, but let's just take a preschool child, for instance, uh, ages three to four, a teacher can have one to 10 children by herself and up to a room of 20 with two people in the room. So if we have, let's just say, four to five children that have some type of developmental delay or special needs or challenging behavior, then that would then pull that teacher in that, those directions where they would concentrate specifically on that and unable to implement the curriculum that they've prepared to be able to work with the rest of the children. We need to, we need, I believe, we need to have more of a government support in our childcare system. In that way, we'd be able to, like in the school districts, they have paraprofessionals, they have um, special needs classrooms. And if we could implement that in childcare, then we could still have full inclusion to where all the children are included in that. And parents still have the resource for their children, regardless of developmental delay or special needs, have a place to, that their children can be safe and can learn in a group setting. And so I think that we really need more government assistance in that way. Um, and because we cannot, as childcare, implement that. We need to bring more staff in. If we were to do that, if we were to have these professionals come into our classroom, the only way we'd be able to work with those costs is to pass them on to the families. Mm -hmm. The families are at the breaking point with tuition. It cannot go any higher. So we have to find some outside resources in order to help us. Thank you. Yes, thank you for thank your answer. You. And again, any question we ask anybody, feel free if anybody else has anything to add to it. Um, so question for Kirsten, actually. Um, in your opinion, uh, what is the biggest challenge in early childhood right now that you would say, I know it's going to have to think about it for a second, that's okay. Um, and whatever that challenge is, um, do you feel that that's a newer challenge and how might we overcome it in your opinion? Um, so I feel like this kind of almost, um, yeah, like echoing you, it's really, um, I don't know, we don't have as many uh, passionate teachers coming into the field. I feel the way that we did even just, you know, a few years ago when, when I was entering the field. Um, I feel that there's a few reasons for that. I mean, it's not the highest paying field. Um, Money aside, it's also a lot of work, right? Um, you have to, to put in a lot of hard work to then um, experience the reward. Um, and so, yeah. I don't know. Um, I would say, yeah, really finding, you know, quality, passionate teachers is, is a challenge. And then retaining them, too, you know, keeping them. Um, 
And so my, my kind of thing for what would I like to change uh, was, was workplace burnout. So how can we, you know, reignite that, that passion? Um, what can we do to, yeah, like hook and, and engage teachers? And I'm kind of fumbling around with that right now. So if, if anyone has advice, <laughs> share it with me. Um, but I do think it's really, um, you know, appreciating who you have and seeing the best uh, in them. And you get more of what you focus on. You know, the power of attention is huge. So so I think if your, you know, attention on your staff is is what they bring to the table and is their, you know, positive qualities, then you'll empower them to continue to, you know, rise and and level up. Um, but without, you know, the the supports for, you know like the challenging students, you know, in the classroom, there's, you know, other things that you can have, you know, the most passionate teacher, um, but there can still be, you know, things that, I don't know, hinder them from, yeah, like, you know, fully enjoying uh, their classroom space because there's just not, you know, necessarily a solution for, I don't know, everything. I'd like to reply to that also. Um, what we've noticed in my schools is we, we really have a very hard time getting um, teachers' aides. Yeah. Um, so I think these programs that the state is offering in order to educate and help young women and get them into this field, that there's money available, there's programs available that will help them actually have a career. And I think like things like this, I'm disappointed that not more people are here listening to this, because if you work for a child care center, you will be able to go to school, you will have your tuition paid for, you can get all the way up to your master's degree and, and, and it's a field that is so much fun and enjoyable and that, you know, we do try to give as many benefits as we possibly can. You know, we have health care, we have, you know, um, fun, kids, <laughs> 401k, Spirit educational weeks, holidays, yeah. holidays. <laughs> we actually just now took the Friday after Thanksgiving and the day after Christmas even though the state won't pay us. They should pay us because you know they're closed. But we just gave them that because they want that. So we try as best we can. But like you said, Yvette, Yvette, yeah. is that it's, it's a very diff, it's a long day, it's little children, and it's exhausting. Education is that way. So you have to have a passion for it. And I understand that passion because I've been nothing but a teacher my whole life. So we have lots of wonderful people that do, and they love coming to work. So it's just finding those individuals, getting, having them give us a chance, I think. you know. And I think, too, um, politically, I think there's a lot of people that could benefit from working for us. And I mean politically that they're, not, they're getting money from some other outside source so they're not coming and starting with lower level positions. That's the only thing I can think of. I don't know why, because pre-COVID, we had plenty of people. You know, we always did. So I don't, I don't know, I don't understand that. You know, why they say they're gonna come in, they don't show up for interviews, um, they're dressed inappropriately, you can't hire them. They're not, they're not. Yeah, and, yeah, is, yeah that's what I've heard when world. we were chatting. It's mm -hmm. across the board. Yeah. It seems to be an issue. Teachers, it's not quite as bad because we're NACI accredited, so we have to have teachers with 
certificates. So that's better and we can pay them, but we still can't pay them like the public schools can. So we lose them sometimes to the public schools. It has helped, the state has been awesome with the funding and the money they've given us so that every quarter we can give the teachers bonuses. That's what we've done with the extra money that we've gotten. We give them bonuses. So I'm hoping that that will continue. And it seems that the governor is really, really dedicated to early childhood, which I love. So I don't know. I don't have any answers either. I'm here so that anyone wants to come to Penny Lane and apply. Or, or Children's Learning Center. Yeah. Or Children okay, of America. No, don't listen We're right to here on campus. Don't listen to them. Come to Penny but I do Lane, to... Penny Lane, Penny Lane. We have a song. I do want to say, though, I do believe that uh, child care itself does have a stigmatism of being a babysitting system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I did go to another college where I talked to some ECE students. Um, when they found out that I worked in child care, I kind of saw a little bit of their nose going up in the air because they do offer, there is ECE in the school district where they can, you know, it's, it, they have teaching certificates and um, they do have classrooms in the school district. So I do think that we do need to continue our efforts to really show people that child care itself is extremely important and how much of a difference you do make in the lives of people. And I do think that um, the work that Kara and Laura are doing right now is extremely important. And our child care centers, you know, if we could draw, maybe build some partnerships <laughs> with people with positions like you, maybe we can then on our side do some of the work that you do and further that educate everybody. Okay, I have a question for Christine. As a um, business owner, you did mention pay. Like that is a, a big issue and you, you guys all can attest to that for teachers. Um, for example, in the state of Illinois, children under two, their tuition is about $280, $288 a week, but the teacher may get paid about 500 a week. So when people see this math, they um, often understand, you know, if you have four infants, that's $288 times four, why does that teacher only get paid that $500? Could you explain to them as owning a business how much it goes into a business other than just pay roles? Um, in the case of, of my schools, um, we have to do the numbers all the time. And we try to give raises as much as we possibly can. But like any business, you have to be able to pay your bills. And because we have to have teachers with degrees, it makes it a lot more expensive. But we also have to stay competitive with the other childcare centers in our area. So it, it's, it's always um, a balancing act of how do we give uh, our teachers and our staff as much as we possibly can but still not raise our tuition to accommodate having a four-year degree teacher and being able to keep them so they won't go to the public schools. So we're all, I would say that in my case, I would say that we are raising our salaries constantly as much as we possibly can. So we go up 5% on our tuition every year and we pass that on to the staff. But what has been really, as I said before, it's been wonderful to be able to give them these quarterly bonuses. So I believe that we, 
we're going to get another grant so that we pass it on to our staff. That's what we do. Um, so that's kind of how we try to make it up to them. Um, I wish we could pay them more, but I would say that um, we pay our staff fairly well, um, but I know it should be more, but we're trying. All right, I have a question for Yvette. So a lot of these questions we, uh, we have touched on here or there, um, but they're a little more specific towards the question. So again, and, and if anybody wants to jump in. Um, so in your role as um, that you are being responsible for hiring directors um, and people that lead and manage your early childhood uh, centers, what are two of the most important attributes that you look for a person in to fill a role, that role? Number one, um, I really do look for somebody that understands that the teachers in the classroom are the most important aspect of the program and the success of the program. And number two, somebody who has energy and is positive. Those would be the two most important. Those are good answers. <laughs> I was going to say, if anybody else in a, like a director role. Yeah, I would say, you know, the energy and the excitement that they bring into the classroom, um, the kids are going to feed off that. So um, it's important that there's somebody who's positive. Um, and then also one that I really highlight is safety. One of my interview questions is like, what's the most important thing, you know, that you would do here at Children's Learning Center? And I'm really looking for them to say to like, keep the kids safe. Um, and so I think if you've got, yeah, the passion, energy, and the focus on safety, um, a lot of the rest of it we can teach and train. say anything or any comments nothing oh, I go ahead. did want to share how neat it's been to like hear your answers both of you guys have you know years of experience in the industry and so it's really cool to see how you guys have you know grown over the years um, and especially how you shared you know on unlearning uh, being a micromanager um, that's been something that I've really been you know working on over the years um, and so it's just encouraging to sit next to the two of you and, and hear what you have to share thank you and I have to say, I felt the same way about you two, just remembering exactly how it felt to be where you are. And, you know, just kind of, it does make you think in a different way, being able to remember all of that. So thank you. Okay. Well, thank you again for coming today. And thank you for our audience and your questions. We really appreciate it. Um, that's all I have for today. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you should. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I, I haven't been out of office in 